0: Tonight, we're going to look at right now in Bible prophecy. We're going to take a fresh, fresh look at the end times. Now, what I'm going to do, we're going to look at current events. This is a sign of the time, a current event night. So I'm going to hit things pretty fast and we're going to hit it pretty hard. But I'm going to focus on a number of things we're going to see in prophecy. I'm going to look at some things we probably touched before, but then we're going to focus on things that we haven't. And I think it's going to really, really encourage you. Now, since we're dealing with right now in Bible prophecy, I want to talk about that. But before I do that, let's open in prayer. All right. Father, we love you. And again, it is always an honor and a privilege, first and foremost, to stand before you. And Lord, it's a privilege and an honor to stand before your people. Lord, I ask tonight by your Holy Spirit that you would open the scriptures to our hearts. Lord, that you would feed us your word. Give us uh, give us understanding, dear God. Let us realize the hour in which we're living in. Lord, let it motivate, let it, let it uh, encourage us, let it, let it charge us up to God to, uh, to be uh, uh, about our Father's business in these latter days. Give us a hunger for a dying world that is in need of you. And Lord, tonight we bind every scheme, every strategy of the devil, we come against the works of the enemy. And Lord, we ask for an open heaven tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A message entitled right now in bible prophecy so i want to deal with the word the term right now uh, it's an adverb uh, the term is used to emphasize uh, that you are referring to the present moment at present time or without delay so we're going to look at prophecies that are literally coming to pass in our present time uh, i like the synonyms of this one is currently nowadays presently now today directly forthwith instantaneously promptly and straight away. We're going to see prophecies that are literally coming to pass right now, right in our present day. And again, as we see that, it's going to be exciting. The signs of the times is a doctrine that God wants us all to understand. How can we discern that we are living in the end times? Because we can see the indicators happening that are mentioned in scriptures. As we see the scriptures unfold, it helps us to know where we are in these times. The apostle Paul stated that, because we know the times, we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves as we see the day approaching. or We see the Lord's, uh, Lord's return coming. When I watch the news, I see it with a prophetic eye. I don't view bad news as just bad news. I see it uh, as a worldwide documentation of Bible prophecy coming to pass. We are presently living in the days which the prophets of old long to see. The signs of the times is God's love warning to mankind to wake up and choose his son while there is still a chance to repent. See, I love the signs of the times because the signs of time gives us a a bearing of where we are in God's eternal end time program. We realize that we are truly living in the end times. So as we grab that vision, grab that understanding of that word uh, and we can we see those things, it gives us a different heart and a different perspective to reach the harvest. Now, again, I'm an evangelist, so I have, I have the heart of an evangelist. I'm all about going after this, uh, the harvest, and again, that's what we do. So I'm a topical teacher. I'm going to look at a number of topics tonight. I always like to define what is a sign. What is a sign? We'll look at the signs of the times, and again, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to touch a number of indicators. We'll look at a bunch of them. Some of them we've hit in the past. We're going to see some of those signs as, as well as go on to see some that we hadn't talked about. Then we're going to look at signs in technology. I'm uh, going to see some amazing things there. And then signs in the nation of Israel. And I'm going to deal with a unique sign tonight about the nation of Israel, one that you probably didn't realize. But I'm going to show you a unique sign uh, in Israel. And then lastly, how the end times should affect us as Christians. Uh, so we're going to see some amazing things here. So what is a sign? And I, I found a wonderful picture. Look at this picture. I love this picture so much. I love this picture. What is a sign? What is a sign? a sign is a marker in time a sign is an indication of a coming event a sign points to literal events to come a sign is evidence of something that is true the Bible gives us uh, indicators for the times that we're living in Uh, if I have ever been convinced that we're living in the end times I'm convinced even more now I've been teaching over 36 years but I'm telling you what we're seeing and what we're witnessing today is so amazing you know I'm looking up. I mean, I'm looking up because I, I believe it could be any time for our Lord's return, because of the indicators, and therefore uh, we need to go after the harvest. Now we're gonna look at the signs of the times. And what I'm gonna do, for time's sake, I'm just gonna bring some signs in. Many of them we talked about in the past. I'm gonna hit them pretty fast, but then some of them I'm gonna focus a little bit deeper on. But I'm just gonna I'm gonna hit the ground running with the signs. All right. Uh, the first one we're gonna look at here. We're talking about signs. The sign of false Christ in the last days. Uh, Jesus mentioned that in Matthew 24, verses 5 and 6, I mean, 5 and 11, Mark 13, verses 6, uh, 20, uh, 21 through, through 23, and then Luke 21, verse 8. And um, again, we mentioned Jim Jones, we mentioned David Koresh. I mean, just a number of false Christ in the latter days. There are so many false Christ today that it is hard to keep up with it. You don't know, believe me? Do a Google search on false Christ. Uh, Do a Google search on those who claim to be Messiah. It will blow your mind. How many people believe that they have uh, an epiphany that they are the true Messiah? Well, it's a sign of the times. It's an indicator. And again, we're truly in the last days. We also looked at uh, Jesus talked about famines in the last days. Matthew 24, verse 7, Mark 13, 8 and Luke 21, verse 11. I mentioned before that uh, how do we have uh, famines? in such a technological society we have technology and equipment where we can put food anywhere in the world but yet we have famines the reason why we have famines is because Jesus said in the latter days famine would be a part of the end time sign of the time yes yeah, it's a sign of the time they use those terms mega famines in the last days we also talk about pestilence uh, Matthew 24, verse 7 and Luke 21 and 11, Jesus mentioned that there would be pestilence, all different types of diseases, SARS and bird flu, and swine flu and Zika viruses and every other type of virus that comes along. Things that mankind can't even cure today are indicators of a sick world, a world that is in need of a savior, a world that's on the brink of the Lord's return. Then we talked about. Uh, He talked about uh, earthquakes uh, in diverse places or many, many places. He talked about uh, large earthquakes or earthquakes of large magnitude. Matthew 24, 7, Mark 13, 8, uh, Luke 21, verse 11. Uh, We are living in a time now where this earth is groaning and travailing. The Bible says this, Romans, the earth is groaning and travailing. And I really believe we're having all these quakes because the world is tired of sin. You know, planet Earth is waiting for its born again experience. And the Bible says that. Is groaning and travailing. It's waiting for its change. And I believe as we near even closer, there will be even larger earthquakes uh, in, in places where they've never had them before. But again, this is a sign, it's an indicator. Uh, these are prophecies that are happening right now. Uh, I like this one. I mentioned this one before, and I like this. This is Luke 21, verse 11. Jesus said, Fearful sights and great signs from heaven shall there be in the last days. And I mentioned before about this one. Uh, this was uh, called the Helix Nebula. It's in space. Uh, the Hubble satellite found it uh, and they've coined a the name. They call it the eye of God. And the scientists don't like for it to be called the eye of God. But I like that term. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going to bring the picture in a little bit better. You can see it here. Uh, I mean, I mentioned before that, you know, the, the scientists are looking up in the telescopes and and God is looking down through the telescope. <laughs> yeah. You know, God designed this in the heavens, fearful sights, great signs, things that mankind can't explain. But God is orchestrating all of these events to his glory. The Bible says this, and I mean, uh, the scientists don't like this name, the eye of God, but they can't stop that one. Here's another one here uh, in the book of Matthew. Uh, Jesus said Matthew 12. He talked about in the latter days that men uh, that there would be a lack of love or, uh, because sin shall abound. The love of many shall wax cold. Again, we have examples here. I mean, the times we're living in, saints, we're living in times that we've never seen before. Look look at this uh, elder abuse and shaming, kids shaming one another at school and and bullying is going just just off the off the rails. Uh, Not only that, this other picture at the bottom here, this is a lady. It says beaten by her grandson. You know, I was uh, I was on uh, Facebook the other day and I saw uh, this young man. He hit his mother in the face, just punched her. Man, I want to go through Facebook and reach this young man. I want to grab him through the screen and and put some on him. You know, Uh, I just couldn't believe what I was watching. You know, Um, it was unbelievable to see it. But again, this is a sign of a a sick world. Uh, Not only that, we look at we look at the events that we've been experiencing. Remember Columbine back in ninety nine killed killed 40 i mean killed uh, 12 people and uh, these two boys you know they believed that that they were uh, uh, you know getting their street creds in a sense and, and they murdered people just cold-blooded uh, what about uh, sandy hook uh, this young man killed 20, uh, 20 uh, first graders uh was amazing by this 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 young man he was a he was a gamer uh, he, he did a lot of killing with the gaming. And I really believe that's part of the problem, too, is with, with all the gaming. Because when they kill and they get high, high scores, you know, with the games, you know, they, be, they, they become desensitized to life. And again, this is another part of what's going on. You know, uh, we also uh, had the one in, uh, in Virginia Tech. Uh, this was an Asian gentleman. Again, he went and uh, he killed 32 of his fellow students. You know, we're living in a, an amazing time. This last one, we just had this one here uh, in Florida. Oh, man, this one really was just, just tragic. Uh, this, this young man killed 17 students as well as uh, teachers. And again, this is another sign and an indicator of where we are. You know, uh, I really believe that this is a byproduct of, of, of what the nation has done. You know, we took prayer out of school. You know, you know, you know before, be, before prayer was taken, was taken out of school, they didn't have these type of killings. And as a result of that, you know, I really believe that, you know, it's just a byproduct of where our nation is going. This nation and this world is in need of a savior. Now I want to show you some here. Uh, this, this, this was an article that appeared in the Huffington post. It says people are sick of thoughts and prayers. They demand action after the Florida shooting. Now we do need action after the Florida shooting, but how many know we definitely need thoughts and prayers. Look at this. It says political leaders offered thoughts and prayers after the deadly uh, school shooting in Parkland, Florida, on Wednesday. That included President Donald Trump, who tweeted his prayers and condolences to victims and their families. But on Twitter, people wanted more than thoughts and prayers and condolences. They also uh, they also uh, uh, sought action and they called out those who sent thoughts and prayers without uh, taking uh, the steps needed to reduce gun violence. In other words, they said, we don't want your thoughts and your prayers. We want action. Now, how many of you know we need prayer? We need God's prayer in, in the schools. Uh, you know, when you, when, when, when you invite God into the schools, uh, I'm sorry, when you pray, you're inviting God into the schools. And again, we're living in a time now where they don't, they don't like that. As a matter of fact, uh, Stephen King tweeted as a result of this article, he said uh, that the school shooting he said there will be prayers from uh, he called it he said uh, bladdermouth Don Pence the Grinch and their right-wing cohorts and then Kim Kardashian got into it she said we owe to our children and our teachers to keep them safe while at school listen at this prayers won't do this action will Congress please do your job and protect Americans Uh, from uh, senseless gun violence. Listen, saints, we need prayer in the schools more than ever. But see, we have a culture now that have excluded God out of our life, out of our uh, uh, everyday uh, living. And when you do that, we have these kind of situations in schools. I mean, we're living in the last days, saints. Again, this is a time that Jesus talked about. Uh, We're seeing things that we never, never could imagine. Jesus also mentioned in Matthew 24, verses 5 and 11, talked about deception. In Mark 13, talk talked about deception in the last days. He said that men would be deceived. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to show you two little articles here, well, three little articles here, uh, in deception, in, in means of deception. Look at this. This article appeared in the uh, New American, and it's talking about the D.C. Uh, Episcopal Diocese. Listen at this. Uh, the Episcopal uh, Church in Washington, D.C. has voted to limit the use of pronouns that refer to God as masculine, and to become more inclusive of uh, transgender individuals, during the 123rd Diocese Convention uh, at Washington National Chapel, I mean Cathedral, delegates approved the resolution regarding future updates to the denominations' August Book of Common Prayers. Listen to this: resulting to eliminate, when possible, all genders reference to God and to replace them with gender-neutral language, uh, and if necessary, to alter gender titles when referring to God. We have a culture that wants to remove God from the discussion, God from, and, and not only that, but want to take now, take, take uh, his masculinity, God. <laughs> Saints, we live in the last day. You're talking about deception. This is in the church, uh, the Episcopal church. Listen to this. It goes on to say this. The theological challenge drafters Of the resolution explained that over the centuries our language and our understanding of God has continued to change and adapt our current gender roles shape and limit us limit our understanding of God by expanding our language for God we will expand our image of God and the nature of God the devil's a liar this is what it says. They, says our, they say our new book of common prayers need to reflect the language of the people, uh, people and our society. Language should not be limited by gender pronouns when avoidable. One feminist clergy uh, person, uh, she uh, she's of the Episcopal Church. Uh, uh, she said this uh, went, went as far as I'm sorry. She went as far as to recommend that her denomination embrace the non-sexist, inclusive Bible. Now. They want to change with the times. How many know the Bible don't change? You know, God is still the God of of heaven. He's still the God that was was the first. I mean, that was God. He's still God. Let me just say it that way. He's God. You can't change who God is. And because people want to change uh, his masculinity does not change God. We're living in a culture now where they... You know, the Bible said that they do not like to keep God in their mind. Romans one. Therefore, they change him and make him like four footed beasts. The world don't want God. And as a result of that, we have these type of deceptions that have crept, crept into the so-called church. I'm sure one more. Here. Look at this. Look at this one. here. This is another one here. This is uh, an, uh, uh, an evolving Episcopal church invites back a controversial uh, sculpture. Now, this sculpture is called Christa. And this is a this is a female Christ on a cross. And they also said that what they want to do is that they want to basically work with the times. How many know Jesus don't change? The Bible says the word and Jesus the same. Yes, they did forever. But let me tell you something. We're living in a time where the, the gospel, Jesus, the word of God, God himself is under attack. And it's deception. You know, I'm reminded of Romans 12. I love Romans 12, verse two. Paul wrote, he said, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I don't care how much the times change, saying we cannot change with the times. We must stick with the authority of the word of God as our anchor and our foundation. This is what this is the message that we must give a world that is in need uh, of a savior. Uh, we need to preach the, 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 the a clear message of, of, you know, of a sound word to a world that don't understand. See, the Bible says faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If they don't hear truth from us, they won't have faith to believe in God. We need to we need to proclaim truth to a dying world. Again, this is a sign. This is an indicator that we're living in the last days. Jesus talked about wars and rumors of wars Matthew 20 24 verse 6 and mark 13 verse 7 Luke 21 verse 9 you know do you not know saints? that do you not know saints that there are over 40 wars that are going on right now 40 wars again these are indicators now since we're looking at that I want to deal with Kim Jong-un I call him the baby with nukes in the headlines and again this is wars and rumors of wars Kim Jong-un threatens to ramp up North Koreans nuclear arsenal in World War Three warning Kim Jong-un says North Korea poses substantial nuclear threat to the US Kim Jong-un issues a new I mean a threat to America in his New Year's message again this is just wars and rumors of wars uh, and again he's just he just won on the list uh, as a matter of fact uh, last year in uh, on uh, November 28 listen listen what happened and, and listen what it says about him it says North Korea said Wednesday that it had successfully tested its war 15 a newly developed ICBM that uh that is said could uh, could deliver heavy nuclear warheads anywhere in the continental US the missile flew higher and longer for a longer duration than the two previous intercontinental ballistic missiles uh, launches, which uh, flew for 37 minutes on July 4th and 47 minutes on July 28th. David Wright, a scientist at the Union of uh, Concerned Scientists, said the missile performed better than the two fired in July and, ex- uh, uh, and exhibited a potential range of more than 8,000 miles able to reach Washington and any part of the continental U.S. Again, saying this is wars and rumors of wars. Uh, These are threats. But you know something? Uh, God is still in control. We don't have to worry about it. Jesus said that this would be a sign of the time. Where we are right now is exactly what the Savior said it would look like. And again, he don't want us to fear the times. He wants us to understand and know where we are. Therefore as we know the times we are better prepared uh, to reach a dying world now a a few months back I was here and I talked about the Bulletin of Atomic Science remember that I talked about the Bulletin of Atomic Science And I went down a list uh, of of these guys moving this clock closer to the end of the world and last year in 2007 for the first time in their history they've been around since the 50s they moved the clock to uh, two and a half minutes Well, when we crossed over into the new year, they moved it to two minutes to midnight or to the end of the world. As I shared earlier, you know, these these scientists, they Nobel laureates. These guys have no hope, but we have hope because we know that God is in control. But but what's amazing about them, they are discerning the times. they they looking at the nuclear threats. They're looking at just all kind of things that are happening and they are trying to discern the times. but they have no hope. See, we need to tell people that there is hope. As we discern the times based on scripture, we can show scripturally what is happening and then we can warn the world that, listen, time is winding up. You need to get your life right. Uh, again, it's a warning to the world. Listen, time is winding up. You need to receive Christ while you have chance. You know, I mean, while you have a chance, time is winding up. Again, this is a picture of them when they moved into two and a half minutes uh, before doomsday. And again, uh, I'm praying for these gentlemen. Now, let's move on a little further. Let's look at signs in technology. You know, technology is a sign of the time. I love this one. In the book of Daniel, chapter 12, verse number four, Daniel received a powerful prophecy. And I believe it's, it's giving reference to technology. Uh, Daniel 12, verse four it says, But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. When Daniel received his prophecy, God told him, Daniel, seal your book until the time of the end. And it really perplexed Daniel because he couldn't understand all the prophecies that God had given him. When John received the book of Revelation, God told him, don't seal it because the time is at hand. So what happened was when John came on the scene, it marked the end times. And with John's book, the book of Revelation, it allowed us to really understand the book of Daniel's prophecies. But look what it goes on to say here. He says, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. You know, uh, this uh, technological boom in our times is a sign of the time. We have technology. We're able to fly all over the world at at, at supersonic speed. We have all types of automobiles and cars, you know, travel. Man's able to go to and fro now. You know, uh, as a traveling evangelist, if they didn't have airplanes, I couldn't travel the way I I do. Uh, I went to the Billy Graham's library. He has a library on evangelists. And they showed the circuit riders these these were the evangelists that had meetings but they did all their meetings on horseback and I was in this place looking I said man boy it'd been really hard for me to preach like I do riding horses man I said man, how, how did these guys schedule their meetings I mean I mean they, there was no email I mean how these guys did this you know we're living in tech, a, a technological uh, society and times now where this is an indicator man is able to run to and fro we have so much technology The Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy 3, 7 said that we are living in a time where we're ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. We have a high tech society. We have the Internet. We have uh, all different types of technology, things in our hand that give us uh, so much knowledge. But mankind is never coming to uh, coming to the knowledge of God. You know, we have more technology that run through our hands. You know, it's amazing. I mean, if I want to spell a word, I, I say uh, uh, Google, spell X, Y, Z, and it'll spell the word for me. It's amazing what we have in our hands. Technology is a sign of the end times. And, you know, mankind has put his trust in that. You know, some of the leading tech giants are warning the world about the advancement of technology. They are concerned about technology. Let me show you this. This is, a, this is an amazing article, article here talking about knowledge. Look at this. Knowledge is doubling every 12 months. Uh, and it's soon to be every 12 hours. Look at this. Minister Fuller created the the knowledge doubling curve. He noticed that until ni- until the 1900s, human knowledge doubled, doubled approximately every century. He said by the end of World War II, knowledge was doubling every 25 years. Today, things are not as simple uh, as different types of knowledge have different rates of growth. For example, Nanotechnology uh, knowledge is doubling every two years, and clinical knowledge every 18 months. But the average human knowledge is doubling every 13 months, according to IBM. The uh, uh, the build out of the Internet of Things uh, will lead to knowledge doubling every 12 hours. Listen, knowledge is racing. Knowledge, I mean. Uh, Knowledge is going so fast. It's just unbelievable. This is a sign of the time. You know, uh, how many grandparents we have here? OK, grandparents, how many times have you asked your little grandkids to help you with technology? You know, grandma say, uh, son, can you show them how to do this email? Sure, grandma. You know, and it, beep, boop, they do it. I mean, the world that they're living in the technology is going to be even further advanced we are living in some amazing times and you know some you got to be very very careful with technology though know, because see what happens people begin to put all of their confidence in technology and they take their eyes off of god technology is good i use technology i'm a technology preacher i, I do powerpoint i mean i like technology you know the old days i used to carry a physical chart A big one. I used to to rope it down on top of my car, me and my wife, and we would travel from meeting to meeting. I kid you not. I would go to churches and meetings, and we would pull that baby off the car. It took me a good 40, 40 minutes to set it up, but I had a big old chart. PowerPoint was invented for me. It saved me a lot of time. So technology is good, but let me tell you something. Technology is a sign of the times. We're living saints in some amazing times. And again, technology is running in front of us. Now, in light of that, uh, we know the passage here. We know the scripture in the book of Revelation, chapter 13, verse 17 and 18. talking about the mark of the beast. uh, We've heard it many times. And uh, we know that uh, based on uh, the the, the book of Revelation during the time of tribulation, uh, men would not be able to buy or sell unless they have technology, not technology, have the mark of the beast, which I believe technology will aid in it. Uh, Here in uh, chapter 13, it says here, verse 17, uh, John wrote, And that no man might buy or sell, save he that have the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that have understanding count the number of number of the beast. For it is the number of a man and his number is six hundred three score and six. Here John is saying that that when the Antichrist come on the scene, he will institute a system of buying and selling that if you don't have his mark, you cannot buy and sell. I mentioned before that as this prophecy was given to John, there was no way in John's day that this prophecy could be fulfilled. But we're living in a time now where this prophecy can definitely come to pass before our very eyes. So in light of that, uh, I showed a commercial back from the early 80s. Okay, I'm going to play. I'm going to play this commercial. I want you to see this. one. this is an IBM commercial. It was back in the 80s. You're going to see this guy. He's going through the grocery store and he's putting food in his clothes and it looks like he's stealing. Uh, but what's gonna happen as he comes out to you know go out the building or the place these lights will scan his body and then his account would be debited so this was back in the 80s so I want to play this and then I'm I'm gonna bring it up to the 21st century so hopefully they can hear it Yeah. to the store, putting food in his clothes. Looks like he's stealing it. Everybody's watching him. Granny's watching. Security.
1: Excuse me, sir. Forgot your receipt.
2: Check out lines. Who needs them?
0: Have a nice day.
2: This is the future of e-business.
0: Now, I love the commercial. It came out in the early 80s. I mean, this was their this was their plan and vision. So I'm going to bring you up to the 21st century. How many have heard of Amazon Go? This is an amazing technology. I'm going to play. I got two commercials. I'm going to play this one and one after. But I'm going to listen to everything they say in this com- in this commercial as to how they are able to track what you do in the store. Now, don't get me wrong, I mean, I wish they had one of these right now in, in San Diego because, uh, man, I would go there so quick, I'll be honest with you. Look at this.
1: Four years ago, we started to wonder what would shopping look like if you could walk into a store? grab what you want, and just go. What if we could weave the most advanced machine learning, computer vision, and AI into the very fabric of a store so you never have to wait in line? No lines, no checkouts, no registers. Welcome to Amazon Go. Use the Amazon Go app to enter. Then put away your phone and start shopping. It's really that simple. Take whatever you like. Anything you pick up is automatically added to your virtual cart. If you change your mind about that cupcake, just put it back. Our technology will update your virtual cart automatically. So, how does it work?
0: Listen at this. We
1: used computer vision, deep learning algorithms, and sensor fusion, much like you'd find in self driving cars. We call it. Just Walk Out Technology Once you've got everything you want you can just go When you leave our Just Walk Out Technology adds up your virtual cart and charges your Amazon account Your receipt is sent straight to the app and you can keep going Amazon Go No lines, no checkout No, seriously
0: Amazing technology, isn't it? Now, technology in itself is not evil. I always like to always like to say technology is not evil. Uh, Amazon Go is not the market of beasts, but I'll tell you this: the technology is being further advanced to track what you buy and sell. Uh, The technology is tied to your individual self. And during the time of the Antichrist, uh, the Bible said men would not be able to buy or sell unless they have the mark of the beast. You better know technology is working out right now that the Antichrist is going to use. And when he used this technology, men would not be able to go anywhere unless they have this unique identifier. Now, I want to play one more. This is also this is from CNET. But listen to what they say about the Amazon Go technology. Listen to some of the wording this lady uses in this in this uh, in this little brief thing.
2: Amazon Go is the latest effort by Amazon just to make shopping incredibly easy. When I was there, I got an early glimpse. Their vision for this is you walk in, you grab something, you walk out. You have this app called Amazon Go. It has a sort of QR code that you use to scan in when you get there. The gates open, you go in, you grab whatever you want from a shelf and then you literally just walk out. And the way the system works is it tracks what it is that you actually take with you. Amazon didn't go into a lot of detail how they do this, but it's basically through using sensors that are in the shelves. They also have hundreds of cameras hanging on the ceiling. It basically just like tracks you in the store and your link to that account. Mm. I didn't have to interact with anybody. I didn't have to wait at all. There were no lines. It literally was just as fast as I wanted to shop, and then I was out of there. It's set up through your Amazon account in the Amazon Go app. So you can go in there after you've left the store and see your receipt. So the whole point of this is to make it very fast and convenient for you. Amazon Go's been in beta for the past year with employees able to visit. As of January 22nd, the public can go in.
0: Isn't that amazing? You know, a lot of times we take technology for granted. You know, uh, everywhere you go, there are cameras everywhere, everywhere you go. Uh, they can track where you go, how, how long you've been there. You go, you go in the elevator, ladies, be very careful in elevators. Because everything you're doing in the elevator is tracked and on camera so be careful how you adjust your stockings and and all those things everywhere you go you are surveilled there's a digital dossier on every one of us and again this is a sign of the last days technology going to and fro now again don't be afraid of technology just don't do nothing that technology can see you doing that's wrong you know what I mean Make make sure whatever you do is right uh, in in front of technology. Uh, I don't fear technology. You know, a lot of times people say, you know, Brother Perkins, they probably listen to you on your telephone. I say, really? So what I do sometimes I pick my phone up and start preaching. If you're listening, Jesus love you. (laughs) Jesus died on the cross to give you eternal life. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Let's move on. Signs in the nation of Israel. Uh, This is a wonderful book. I encourage you you may want to pick it up here. But listen, what listen, what Ron Rose says about Israel and all the indicators. He said the stage is being set. Uh, uh, It appears that we are that that we may very well be living in the day in which God promises Israel will come to final and full fruition. The late John Walvoord was confident that in the present world scene, there are many indications pointing to the conclusion that the end of the age may soon be upon us. These prophecies relating to Israel coming, uh, coming day uh, of, of suffering and ultimate restoration may be uh, may may be destined for fulfillment in the present generation. Never before, never before in history of the world have there been the, a confluence of major ev- uh, evidences uh, of, of preparation for the end. He said a widespread uh, outbreak of varieties of sexual uh, sins and perversions with no repentance in sight. The steady uh, diminishing of religious freedoms, the ever increasing global persecution uh, of of God's people, Uh, Israel being a relentless sore spot to the world, Uh, even uh, ever escalating conflict in the Middle East. Efforts being made toward the rebuilding of the Jewish temple, the stage being set for a massive invasion of Israel by Russia and uh, Muslim nations. uh, The steady rise of influence of global globalism, political and economic uh, steps toward the establishment of the revised Roman Empire, uh, the United States of Europe. The emergence of a cashless uh, world in preparation for the antichrist's control of of world uh, uh, economy during the tribulation and much more. He said it is sobering, even a bit frightening uh, to recognize uh, to to recognize that all these things are taking place in our present day. I agree with Walvert that the end of the age may soon be upon us. How many would agree we're living in the end times? It is no doubt. I want to say to you tonight, please don't ever get tired of hearing this message. Because you understand the end time message, it's going to always keep you on the edge and keep you relevant. It's going to keep you, keep you, keep you right on, the, right on the, the heart pulse of God. God wants you to understand the urgency of the hour, and therefore you can reach a world without him. I mean, let me rephrase that. God wants you to keep uh, keep your understanding of the end times, therefore you can reach the world with Him. Yeah, God want to, God wants us to understand where we are in these end times. The time is, is is ever before us. The hour is urgent. The night is far spent, and we must again be about our Father's business. So, in light of that, President Trump and we talked about this before him moving the embassy to Israel. I'm so glad that's going to happen. Uh, thank God for that Uh, I mentioned before that he talked about you know that he's gonna do this you think that it would help solve the Middle East peace plan now I want to say to you tonight President Trump cannot bring peace to the Middle East Uh, I'm glad he's moving the embassy there uh, because it's been on the books we know since 1995 the Jerusalem Embassy Act I'm glad he's moving it but I want to say to you what he's gonna do it's gonna continue to fulfill Bible prophecy what he's gonna do it's gonna cause the region listen at this to continue to be unstable so in light of that I want to show you two perspectives in light of President Trump moving the embassy to Israel I mean to Jerusalem our US Embassy to Jerusalem I'm gonna give you two perspectives I'm gonna show you the Palestinian perspective of how they look at this and I'm gonna show you how Israel looks at it so first we look at the Palestinians response uh, Abbas threatens war if Trump doesn't rescind Jerusalem Declaration listen at this Palestinian leader Mahmoud Abbas on Tuesday continued his exaggerated response to U.S. President Donald Trump's recognition of Jerusalem as the capital uh, of Israel by threatening regional war. Listen to this. Speaking in Cairo, Abbas stated Jerusalem is key to peace if it is our capital. He said it is not. If, uh, he said if it is not, it is the key to war. Trump needs to choose there is no such thing as a palestinian who will who will give up even one millimeter of jerusalem is that something so for the palestinian trump designating jerusalem as israel's capital means that it's going to be war for the world and war for israel so let's look at the israeli response now for the jews for the jews for the israelis listen to this president donald trump epic proclamation on wednesday Acknowledging Jerusalem as the eternal capital of the Jewish people was a major step toward. Listen at this. Establishing the third temple and bringing in a messianic era, said a number of Jewish activists working to rebuild the holy temple. They said what he did last night was an enormous step in building the temple. So for the Jewish people, their response is that, hey, man, the third temple is about to be built. They says this had. Uh, I'm reading the latter part. This necessary had to come from a non-Jew in order to bring them into the process, so they will be able to take uh, take their part in the temple. So they believe that since Donald Trump has come on the scene and he's declared Jerusalem their capital, he believes now that this is a sign and a signal for the third temple to be rebuilt. And then, as a result, some of you may have heard this, but some of you may not have uh, the Sanhedrin. Uh, listen at this. This is breaking news. Israel now Israel's recently re- reconstituted Sanhedrin is honoring Trump for the move by putting his image on a privately minted half shekel coin. And uh, this coin's gonna have two faces on it. It's gonna have the face of King Cyrus and uh, our president. And this is a shekel coin that they're gonna use to raise money for the temple. Isn't that amazing? And they quote this verse, Isaiah 44, verse 28. It says, That's, uh, That said of Cyrus, He is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple the, thy foundation shall be laid. So the Jewish community, looking at what Trump's proclamation, they are honoring him for declaring Jerusalem the capital of Israel. And as a result, he's taken the peace treaty off. I mean, not peace. He's taking Jerusalem off the bargaining table. Uh, You can no longer negotiate for Jerusalem being a Palestinian state. Again, saying this is going to further cause tension in the area, fulfilling this prophecy here, Zechariah chapter 12, verses two and three. Jerusalem being a cup of trembling is going to further cause tension in the region. And as I shared again, you know, uh, President Trump has some great ambitions to bring peace to the region, but we know based on prophecy, he cannot do it. God would not allow it. Now, we're almost done, but I'm going to show you another sign. This is a unique sign in the nation of Israel. In the book of Jeremiah 23, verses uh, 7 and 8, it talks about in the latter days that God would regather the Jewish people. He would bring them from all over the world. Let me read the passage here. This is Jeremiah 23, verses 7 and 8. He says, Therefore, behold, the days come, said the Lord, that they uh, that that they shall no more say the Lord liveth, which brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt. Uh, But the Lord liveth that brought up and led the seed of the house of Israel out of the north country and from all countries, whether I have driven them and they shall dwell in their own land. God says in latter days, the Jews going to declare that you are a a, a miraculous God, because now you are bringing the Jewish people from all uh, all over the world. You're bringing them back to the land. Now, what's so significant about that? I'm going to show you a prophecy that people don't know about or people may not may not have realized, but I'm going to show you this. In the book of Revelation, chapter 7, verses 4 through 8, the Bible talks about the sealing of the 144,000 Jews. Now, what's going to happen during the time of the Great Tribulation? God's going to to seal 144,000 Jewish men. They're going to be sealed with the seal of God. God's name will be written in their forehead. The Bible called them the servants of God. So let me read the passage for you. Look at this. John wrote, and I heard the number of them that were sealed and there were sealed one hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. Now, this is a future prophecy during the time of the Great Tribulation. God's going to seal 12,000 of all of the 12, uh, 12,000 of each of the 12 tribes of Israel. So look at the prophecy. I'm going to show you something. God says, I'm going to seal the tribe of Judah, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Nephilim, uh, Zebulun. Simeon, uh, Levi, Issachar, the tribe of Manasseh, the tribe of Joseph, and the tribe of Benjamin. He said, "I'm going to see a twelve thousand of each of the twelve tribes of Israel. These these will be the tribes that that are mentioned in Revelation chapter seven. But we're going to see something that's amazing here. There's a tribe that's had that have been omitted. Look at this. The tribe of Dan is omitted from the list." Uh, uh, as well as Joseph's other son, Ephraim, and why? Now, what we see here is that uh, uh, one one of the tribes mentioned in this list was really not one of the tribes of Israel, and that was the tribe of Manasseh. You see Manasseh there? Manasseh was a son of Joseph, as well as his son, Ephraim. Ephraim were the sons of Joseph. But here in Revelation chapter 7, when God seals the Jews in the tribulation, the tribe of Dan is omitted. Some scholars wonder why. Uh, why is Dan omitted? Uh, some believe that it could have been because Dan led Israel into uh, idolatry. Uh, whatever the reason, Dan is omitted during the time of the Great Tribulation. But the tribe of Manasseh is in its place. Now, I'm going to show you something that's amazing. In order for the tribe of Manasseh to be a tribe in the tribulation during the time of the tribulation, the tribe of Manasseh must be in the nation of Israel. Right. Let me show you something. Look at this little video here. This is a video of the tribe of Manasseh. They have just migrated, immigrated back to the land of Israel. Listen at this video. Now
1: the Israeli government, with the help of Jewish organizations, believes it's found members of the lost tribe of Manasseh. They're called B'nai Manasseh. And Chris Mitchell has their story now from Jerusalem. You're
3: seeing members of the lost tribe of Manasseh come back to the promised land. Recently, they joined with family members who had already immigrated to Israel for a tearful and emotional reunion at Israel's Ben-Gurion Airport. This group is part of the largest group in the tribe's history, 218, to return from India and resettle in the land of Israel.
0: Today is the, one of the most happiest days for the Ben-Gurion history because we never had a large group like this that made Aliyah.
3: The Jewish agency believes the tribe of Manasseh is located in northeastern India in the states of Mazoram and Manipur.
2: We are uh, convinced that they are Jewish and they are from the tribe of uh, Nei It's our duty to bring them, so we'll do that.
3: The flight from India to Israel lasted only seven hours, but the arrival of the Ben Manasseh has been a journey nearly 3,000
1: years in the making. I think what's happening today is nothing less than a miracle of biblical and historic proportions. Michael Freund
3: is the chairman of Shave Israel, an organization dedicated to bring lost Jews back to Israel.
1: 27 centuries after the tribe of Manasseh was exiled from the land of Israel, their descendants are coming home. This is the fulfillment of everything the prophets foretold. God promised us in the book of Isaiah that with great, with vast mercy shall I gather you in. And that's what we're seeing.
3: For many of these B'nai Menashe coming to Israel is a lifelong dream. How long have you been waiting to come to Israel?
0: It's it's a long time. (laughs) From my
3: uh, childhood. <laughs> 7,000 B'nai Menashe remain in India and hope to come to Israel. In the meantime, these members of the tribe of Manasseh will start making the adjustment to a new life in Israel. They're the latest Jews to fulfill what the prophets foretold thousands of years ago the ingathering of the exiles. Chris Mitchell, CBN News, Ben
0: Gurion Airport. Isn't that amazing? Wow. They, they have to be in the land in order to fulfill the prophecy of Revelation 7, the tribe of Manasseh taking Dan's place. And now they brought them back to the land. Now, we're going to close, close here. How should the end times affect us as Christians? i gonna give you a few little verses and we're going to be done. Luke 21, verse uh, 28, Jesus said, and when these things began to come to pass, Jesus said, look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draweth nigh. The end time message should not be a message that's going to scare you. It should be a message that's going to encourage you that the Lord is at hand. Saints, we are closer to the lost return. Matthew 24, verse six, dealing with the signs of the times. He said this, and you shall hear wars and rumors of wars. Jesus said, see that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Jesus, as you see these indicators, say, don't let them trouble you. They must come to pass. These are signs and indicators of the end times. First Timothy two verses one and two. Paul said, "I exhort therefore that first of all, supplication, prayers, intercession and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life, that uh, in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable." In the sight of God and our Savior uh, one is th- the, the end time message should encourage us to pray for our our leaders in government see there are a lot of people today that hate Donald Trump and they concern whether Donald Trump is gonna cause a nuclear catastrophe I say listen don't hate him pray for him the Bible says pray for those in authority that you may lead a quiet and peaceable life uh, it doesn't matter who's in office you pray for who's ever in office all of the leaders all of the Democrat Republican pray for everybody uh, I pray for all the leaders. This 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 should mark. I mean, it should spark our hearts to pray for those in authority. And then here in Matthew, uh, Romans chapter 13, Paul said this. He says this is Romans 13, 11 through 14. He says, and that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us cast off the works of darkness. Let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk earnestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. See, the end time should motivate us and it should spark us to allow God to to work in our lives. The end time message right now in Bible prophecy should spark holy living in our lives. Now, I'm gonna give you one more verse and I'm definitely gonna close with this. Look at this last one. I love this one. Psalm 119, 165. The Bible says here, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. This is saying as we know the word of God, we know the end time prophecies based on the scripture. It gives us peace in troublesome times. And again, saying God has given us this so we can help a world that is in need of the Savior. Too many Christians are afraid of the end times and they are not effective witnesses for Christ. Don't let the message uh, uh, bring fear. Let it motivate you to reach a world that don't know Jesus. Saints, we're living in some amazing times. And, you know, there are so many prophecies. it It is hard to keep up with everything that is going on. As I shared, the prophets of old, they long for the times that we're living in. We're living in some amazing times right now in Bible prophecy.